What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast, and we are coming at you on a Thursday as Los Angeles Clippers getting set to take on the New Orleans Pelicans in a do-or-die game at home on Friday. Our guest today, you hear him on AM570, Adam Oslin. Before we get to Adam, listeners, please take a moment to follow Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition. It provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Follow now. Well, Adam, welcome back on the show. How are you, man? Been too long, Brandon. It's good to be here. Appreciate you. So I'll be honest with you. I had Justin Wilson on uh, previewing that game against Minnesota, and I told him I'm looking ahead to Memphis. Uh, I really think that this is going to be a game the Clippers um, should win, that they will win, despite the fact that Vegas bookmakers had it at a three-point line. I didn't understand that. I thought the Clippers were the better team. Uh, I thought the Clippers had the better game plan uh, over the course of the season against Carl Anthony Towns. And you know what? The game plan worked to perfection. It was so good that Carl Anthony Towns fouled out, and then the Clippers didn't know what to do. A very strange game. How do you look back on it? Because it's disappointing, no doubt about that. Um, it certainly feels like Ty Lu could have pulled a couple of different strings, whether it's playing Robert Covington um, at that small ball five once they said goodbye to Carl Anthony Towns. But all things considered, I mean, the plan worked out. It's just that Minnesota hit shot after shot after shot, and the Clippers went cold. Yeah, I think Minnesota scored at one point in the fourth quarter on 10 of 11 straight possessions. And after the Clippers led by 10, um, what changed everything was Carl Anthony Towns leaving the ball game unexpectedly, ironically, in a weird twist of fate. He was actually holding them back. I mean, he started 0 for 7 in the first half. They played beautiful defense against him. Problem was they were still down by two at the half because the Clippers' offense hit the skids. We've seen this all season long, Brandon, where they go into these deep funks, these long droughts. But coming into that game in the last seven regular season games, five of which PG played in, the Clippers had the number one offense. So I really felt like they were peaking at the right time. They would be in rhythm. But that drought in the second quarter, seven minutes without a made field goal, and then another drought – in the fourth quarter where they made one field goal over the span of five minutes where after leading by 10, they once again just could not create and find any easy looks out there. And uh, Carl Anthony Towns leaving the ball game, I believe the Clippers were outscored 23-9 to in the last seven minutes after he fouled out, and they just didn't have an answer. They, they tried to pull out wing stop. They tried to go smaller. Then they went back to Avita Zubats, and it didn't matter what they did down the stretch. There were some bad turnovers. They just couldn't find, you know, that offense that they had to have click in in the biggest moments where they've been great during crunch time and technically clutch time, last five minutes of a game within five points all season long. But uh, it didn't turn out that way in Minnesota. That was a that was a frustrating loss for Clipper Nation. I know that. You know what's weird is that we saw this throughout this entire regular season, Adam. I mean, there were games where the Clippers won that they had no business winning, and then there were games that they lost that you wonder and scratch your head, how did that happen? And in this game, the Clippers played well through stretches, but once again, 
something that happened time and time again during the regular season. The Clippers went through these dry spells, and we seven minutes without a field goal um, in one half, five minutes without a field goal in another. It, it's gotten to the point where it's a little concerning that this is something that continues to pop up. How concerned are you with that? Because it's weird for it to happen when you have a team that has Paul George, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Norman Powell, guys that can score the basketball. It's a weird thing that continues to happen. How much is it concerning to you heading into this game against the Pelicans? Well, the Pelicans can put up some points. We know that. Before the Clippers beat them a week and a half ago by 19, the Pelicans had won five straight against them and were just a really tough matchup. But overall, um, these offensive woes, and look, on the season – I think they ended up 24th offensively, but throughout most of the year, they were bottom five. They were 26th. And it's understandable when Paul George wasn't there, only played 31 games, no Kawhi Leonard. Marcus Morris missed about 20 games. Same with Nick Batum. But with Paul George and with Norman Powell in that game, uh, I really felt like the Clippers would have more juice. And they were great from the outside. That translated. They've been the best three-point shooting team post-All-Star break, and they hit 16. Uh, almost half their makes were from distance. They went 16 and 35, 45%, almost 46% from the outside. That wasn't the problem, but they missed, Reggie Jackson missed a gimme, a layup late. Uh, they missed some mid-range shots. They just couldn't get some jumpers to fall. And that well-oiled machine, excuse me, a little too too caffeinated here, uh, Brandon, <laughs> <laughs> a little too hyped here. That well-oiled machine with the Clippers offense all season long, uh, when they were at their best, at least, in the last five minutes of games within uh, five points, they just couldn't get on track. And I think, you know, I was a little bit perplexed, and he called himself out post game, but Norman Powell had a Luke Kennard-like game where yeah. he just didn't take enough shots. He started four of four. He only took five more shots afterwards, and he was their hottest player in the first quarter. He came in second half of the first quarter, has a quick seven points, and then just takes one shot in the second quarter when the Clippers, they were starving for anyone to get going. Ride the hot hand. It was Norman Powell. He was brought in here for a reason. He's second to Paul George right now until Kawhi Leonard comes back. He's the secondary option. And I, I was a little bit surprised, especially because, you know, he was talking junk to the Minnesota Timberwolves bench. He was obviously in rhythm. He was feeling good, and he just didn't put up enough shots. Yeah, you mentioned the three-point shooting, shooting 46%. You look at the twos, and the Clippers were 18 of 43, and so they shot about 40% from two. Not great. It's not great when you shoot better from three than you do from two, um, especially when it's that critical in a close game. And you mentioned the Reggie Jackson layup one late that I believe would have cut it to a one-point game. It's it's tough. And you mentioned Norman Powell, and that's – I think that's partly on Norman Powell, and I think that's partly on Ty Lue. And you, you got to recognize, hey, there was a guy that started off extremely hot. Norman couldn't miss in that first quarter, and then all of a sudden he disappeared. I didn't even know he was on the floor at times in that second half. And you mentioned he's the number two option behind Paul George. Well, he only played 27 minutes. I think those minutes need to go up in this game against the New Orleans Pelicans because, like you said, the Pelicans can score, and they got a lot of guys that can cause you problems. I mean, you look back at yesterday – and C.J. McCollum, 
able to put up 32 on 23 shots, and he played close to 40 minutes. And, of course, you've got Ingram, you've got JV, who has been an absolute assassin from three against the Clippers, um, oddly enough, this season. I mean, he had 22 and 14 after really being a no-show in the first half against the Spurs, but they decided to adjust, and McCullum became more of a creator, and JV was the one that went off in the second half. So they have a lot of guys that can come at you, and that's not even mentioning a guy like Jose Alvarado that'll cause problems and Devontae Graham and Grand Theft Alvarado. Yeah. I mean, he is just a monster (laughs) and he's come on really strong at the end of the season, whether it's those famous let's hide and then go get a steal or just the offense. I mean, he hit three threes yesterday. And then of course you have Herbert Jones, who's been tremendous in his rookie season defensively and can shoot the ball as well. So, It's obviously deflating to lose a game like that to Minnesota, where I really thought they should have win. You silence Carl Anthony Towns. You expect to win the ball game. It's really that simple. But you don't expect D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards to combine for 20 of 39 from the field. I mean, these are two guys that don't shoot the basketball at 50% clip. That just does not happen, especially D'Angelo Russell. But those two guys got hot, and the Clippers, that's what happens. You play in... The play-in game, and one game is all it takes, Adam. I mean, it really is only one game. When I was talking to Justin, I said, I feel confident. He goes, it's still, it's one game. All it takes is for one guy to get hot and one guy to be really struggling, be one guy struggling from the field. And that's the case here is that PG struggled in that first quarter. He was great later on, but you have one miss misstep and you're in trouble. And now you face a Pelicans team that the Clippers struggled against in the regular season You've seen those games. What are you looking forward to in this matchup with the Pelicans? Because like I mentioned, they've got a lot of guys that can score and a lot of good players that have caused problems for the Clippers. In that last contest, the Clippers, it was one of their better victories of the season, not just because they had so much trouble losing five straight to the Pelicans. They hadn't beat them in almost a year and a half. (laughs) And this goes back even further than that with the different Clippers rosters. I don't know what it is about the Pelicans. They've always been a thorn in their side. But I I think Paul George has to start faster. You mentioned him getting off to the slow start, and he was, I believe, 3 of 13 in the first half with nine points and totally redeemed himself. And that third quarter was 17, and then the fourth quarter was eight. Don't get me wrong, but uh, he has to lead them and get him going. I mentioned Norman Powell. He's got to put up more shots. And I think Reggie Jackson, and I thought he was good early on, but he ended up with five turnovers. A couple of them came in the fourth quarter. Uh, Reggie has to be playoff Reggie. And that means getting to the basket and putting pressure on the rim. I also feel like maybe Terrace Mann has to play more because I know he ended up somehow being a minus 16. He was just unfortunately out there at the wrong time. I don't think it was on him, but those two blocks he had where he had to throw down on the other end, that energy, that spark he can provide, uh, especially in downtown Los Angeles where he can get the crowd into it. Uh, You know, you need some of those vibes they had against the Utah Jazz. And Terrence Mann is just, Noah Eagle said it was his X factor for the game because of everything he can do out there. But when you're looking for offense, when you're looking for a spark, uh, sometimes just pushing the basketball, getting out in transition, getting some easy points that way, that's something Terrence Mann can provide. And against kind of a more wide-open um, game against the Pelicans, that's what I would expect tomorrow night, as opposed to what happened in Minnesota where the Clippers only put up 104 points. But Minnesota's defense, they were 13th all season long. The Pelicans aren't very good on that end. 
they should have more opportunities in transition and they got to take advantage and push the basketball a little bit because if their offense is stalling out in the half court, well, create some fast break opportunities. You mentioned the scoring. I think it's important to note the Clippers did score 26 or less in three of the four quarters. Um, they had that 33-point third quarter where they outscored Minnesota by eight. And, and I'm not sure that we can actually judge the offense from that game because I really think the officiating was a problem um, in that contest and refused to yeah. really allow any sort of flow offensively for either side. I mean, even on the Minnesota side where they scored 25 that was or the less other two fluky of them. thing, Brandon. Yeah. Uh, outside of Carl Anthony Towns, you would think him fouling out would be good for the Clippers. You would think the Clippers getting to the free throw line as much as they did in the first half would be good for them. But like you said, I think it threw, the, threw their offense off. I, I think it took them out of a flow, out of a rhythm. Yeah, there, there was a point where I was actually hoping that Carl Anthony Towns wouldn't commit a foul. I just did not want that the clock to stop. I wanted the basketball to actually be played on the court and not at the free throw line. And it just was getting to a point where the Clippers thrive on pushing the tempo, getting into the paint, spraying, shooting them, shooting those threes, and then causing havoc defensively and running with the basketball. And they weren't able to do any of that because of the referees. So it, it's, it's going to be really important to see what the refs do in this game against the Pelicans because they will dictate how this game goes. And it sucks that that's the case, but they truly will. If they're going to call it tight, then it really hurts all either team or really with both teams from getting into a flow it's very difficult and in a game like this where it already has game seven like vibes and you already see teams usually get some jitters it's going to be on the officials to let them play um, but we'll, we'll see what happens in that department I'm glad you brought up Terrence Mann though because he's a guy that when you look at Staples now crypto he has been tremendous in the playoffs at home. And we always see that the bench guys always play better at home. What type of adjustments do you want to see? Because I think I'd like to see Robert Covington play more. I don't think 18 minutes is enough for him. I think he does too many good things defensively um, for him to only play 18 minutes. I want to see Norman Powell play more. And I'd like to see Terrence Mann have a role as well and be that energy guy. I mean, I'm fine with him sitting initially, but if you see that it's close and you need that spark, I want to see Terrence Mann on the floor more. What do you want to see? Yeah, it just feels like Terrence Mann can flip a game. He's instant momentum, especially at home. He had the crowd eating out of the palm of his hand. And I still, even though it didn't work against Minnesota and some fluky things happened in that game, I think they should still go small with yeah. Wingstop and have Rocco, Batum, PG-13 out there possibly Marcus Morris and Norman Powell. I, I do think, or maybe Terrence Mann, I do think those lineups can wreak havoc. I do think over a larger sample size, and I know we're just talking about one one, uh, one must-win game here tomorrow night, but I, stu I still believe in the small ball approach and just throwing all that versatility out there and switchability. Uh, I think that could do wonders against the Pelicans. And the Clippers... They held the Pelicans last time out to 100 points. The Pelicans only shot 40% from the field. And the other thing, the Clippers had a lot of turnovers here tonight. I think they ended up with 17. So Minnesota had 13. Both teams had nine turnovers at the half. The Clippers continued to turn the ball over, though. The Pelicans, or excuse me, the, the Timberwolves actually took care of the basketball. 
But in that game against the Pelicans a week and a half ago, the Clippers had only 10 turnovers. And they have to get back to taking care of the basketball. And that like Reggie Jackson, you know, I bring him up and his driving ability and the pressure he puts on the rim and how important that is for the team. But uh, he has to be sound and cannot be careless with the basketball because often that's where those turnovers come from him on the interior, either when he's trying to wrap around passes uh, or trying to kick it out to guys. They just have to be uh, extremely prudent with the basketball. Yeah, 17 turnovers is a college number. That's not something that should be happening in the NBA. It really is not. Hey, we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use the code ethos when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit and the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. Check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos, E-T-H-O-S, over at thrivefantasy.com. You mentioned Marcus Morris, Adam, and I think it's important to talk about him and the small lineup because you and I both agree that Robert Covington needs to play in that wing stop lineup. And what Robert Covington does, apart from providing solid defense, he provides rebounding. Robert Covington, five rebounds in 18 minutes. Marcus Morris, when he was the biggest player on that floor, when the Clippers went with that small lineup, zero rebounds in 30 minutes. That's just not good enough. And that's part of the reason why Minnesota won, Adam. I mean, you look at the offensive rebounds for Minnesota. They had 12 offensive rebounds and 49 total rebounds. The Clippers had seven offensive rebounds and 39 total rebounds. So 10 less rebounds and you lose by five. I mean, that certainly is something you could point to as what lost the Clippers the game against Minnesota. No, and especially because Patrick Beverly at 6-1 led both teams in rebounding with 11, and he had four of those offensive rebounds. Everybody knew it was coming. Uh, In the fourth quarter, during crunch time, Pat Bev has a knack, has a nose for getting to those basketballs among the trees, and there was that play where he and Reggie Jackson were fighting for the loose ball going out of bounds. I think Reggie was called for the foul there. He was in foul trouble too. But if Marcus Morris is going to be on the floor, obviously, and they're playing small, he has to rebound. He has to be better than that. And he knows that. And he's out there because he can create for himself an ISO and hit shots that are high degree of difficulty type shots, playoff basketball type shots. But Rocco just, you know, the Clippers have a lot of guys that I don't want to say are flawless, but they have a lot of guys that don't have many weaknesses. And, and Rocco's kind of one of them because he plays within himself. Uh, he knows what his role is. He's a 3 and D guy. Occasionally he'll drive to the basket for an easy one. But he does the little things. He's scrappy. And he's been a godsend for this team. It's amazing that most people were thinking, oh, they got Norman Powell. And, oh, yeah, they got Robert Covington, too. Okay, cool, whatever. I believe that they were going to rejuvenate him to some degree, just being in this Clippers culture and this environment. We've seen that a lot uh, with guys like Batum and Reggie Jackson. I didn't think he'd be this good. where <laughs> He was shooting 45% from the outside and something like 70% on wide-open threes since he's been a Clipper. Uh, he's all of a sudden become one of the more critical players on this team. So, look, if they are going small, uh, he's got to be one of the guys out there, I would think. But, you know, I trust in Coach Lou. Whatever decision he makes, uh, we trust in Coach Lou. We've seen him in these positions before, and he seems to push all the right buttons. 
Yeah, he's a guy that you want to see in a series, Ty Lu. I mean, he, he's able to make his adjustments, of course, at halftime, but he is one of the best in-series coaches that there is. I mean, you lose game one, he's going to find a way to come back and win game two or wins game, games three and four if you lose the first two, like the Clippers did a couple of times um, last year. So we certainly trust what Ty Lu can do. It's just a scary situation where it's a one-game scenario. All it takes is one good half or one bad half for the Clippers and all of a sudden, you're going home. So there's a lot of pressure on this team. Do we know anything about Luke Kennard and his availability? Because I was talking on Twitter with Justin Russo, and he mentioned that Kennard was going to get a big miss to Minnesota against that Minnesota Timberwolves team. I didn't think it was going to be a huge miss because you look at what Ty Lue does. He's going to go eight deep. I mean, he really won't play more than eight. And Hartenstein played seven minutes in that game against Minnesota. But apart from that, you don't really use your bench much. Um, in these big games, do we know if Carnard's going to play? And do you think that he would have a role if he was available in the game against the Pelicans? I thought Hardenstein, by the way, had a really rough game. He missed uh, yeah. an easy one. It just looked like he was too sped up. Uh, out of sync a little bit, had a bad turnover. But I, I agree, Luke Carnard, when you look at what happened in that game with those dry spells, and you have the best three-point shooter in the league <laughs> and just a dead-eye shooter like that, um, I would have thought that would have been a game where Luke would have got to run, just break in case of emergency. You need some scoring. You need somebody to stretch the floor at least and draw some attention so maybe other guys have easier driving lanes. I don't know if he's going to be available. Um, I haven't seen the injury report for today. It's that sore right hamstring. But remember a couple of weeks ago, it was his right hip. So I wonder those two things related. Um, and it is a big loss because that scoring punch, just the instant offense he can provide and also the gravity and attention that's drawn his way. So it would be huge if they have him tomorrow night. But again, they're not playing a juggernaut <laughs> uh, defensively in the New Orleans Pelicans. They should be able to get some easy ones and hopefully – that in, you know gets them into a quicker rhythm early on, and you mentioned the officials. Hopefully, they let them play a little bit. You know what's interesting about that game against Minnesota is that if you take away those two threes at the end of the first and third quarters, the Clippers oh, win the God. game. I mean, the Clippers they were up by nine in both situations, and it gave Minnesota a lot of momentum. And you look at that third quarter, the Clippers would have outscored Minnesota. By 11. Instead, it was just eight. It gave Minnesota momentum going into the fourth quarter, despite the fact that they end up trailing by 10, but they still came back and won. Those shots are critical, and the Clippers have done this before where they've struggled to close out quarters. I think that'll probably be the most important thing for this game against the Pelicans is closing out quarters well, because if you don't, it gives the other team momentum going into the next frame. So it's not just that one shot at the end. And the Clippers, by the way, did hit one of their own that saved themselves to going into the half. But it's really critical for the Clippers to close quarters well in that game against the Pelicans. I'm assuming you agree. No, it's a great point. In a game they lose by five, those two three-pointers. And that is, that is something that's happened all season long, too. So, you know, I said this. Post game on Clippers talk, everybody loves to say, oh, the regular season doesn't mean anything. And even though there were some outliers and some strange things that happened in that game, there were also some things that we've seen all season long that carried over into the postseason for the Clippers. They just have to be more locked in. And I was a little bit surprised, 
especially I think it was the second one in the third quarter that they gave up where it, it just looked like, I mean, they weren't ready for the, <laughs> they weren't ready for the time left on the clock. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was just bizarre to see from a Clippers team, a veteran team like this, a team that's shown a lot of poise, obviously last season, in the playoffs make mistakes like that. Yeah, it was strange. And then you look at the Anthony Edwards drive where, just complete lack of communication. It's and I, you've never really seen Ugh. it at all. I mean, it just seemed like the Clippers weren't locked in to their full capabilities, and you hope that they are in that game against the Pelicans. Hey, this is the season that you got to keep care of yourself. Keep care of yourself and your personal information. Stop giving your personal information to your ISP. On top of overcharging, your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name. To get three bonus months on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy. Turning it on takes just one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass 2. Once more, that's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. All right, Adam, let's close out this pod with a little bit of, uh, I guess, preview predictions for the game against the Pelicans. We discussed a little bit about what we're expecting from the Pelicans, a team that's going to score, going to cause problems, but also doesn't defend very well. How do you think the Clippers match up against this New Orleans team? Because if you look at the starting lineup for the Pelicans, it's got a lot of firepower. I mean, you look at C.J. McCollum, that'll most likely be their point guard. Um, you would assume that Paul George will start off on him. You would think that's the case. Um, but what that means for Brandon Ingram, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I don't know if that means that Batum gets the assignment on Ingram. Yeah. And then I think Zoo and JV is a good matchup. I'm fine with that matchup. I think it's two bigs that are good. Obviously, JV, I think, is a little more skilled when it comes to scoring. Um, but Zoo is the better defender. Uh, and then, of course, you have Jackson Hayes, who is a guy that doesn't pose a lot offensively, so it feels like Marcus will probably be the guy that defends him. What are you thinking when it comes to this matchup um, on Friday? Well, I'll say this. One of the adjustments that Coach Lou made in their last game against them, after what Jonas Valanciunas did to them uh, early in the season, hitting all those three-pointers and going for a career high, they put Marcus on, on JV a lot. And it worked because quicker feet, smaller guy could stay in front of him a little bit better than Avica Zubats, who uh, Valanciunas was just pulling out to the three-point line and hitting him over and over again like he was Luka Doncic. Uh, I think that's one thing we may see again. Because when it happened against the Pelicans, that was one of the first things I thought, okay, Coach Lou is okay with tipping his hand a little bit and showing this slight adjustment. This is something he would probably do in the postseason. Uh, but, yeah, I think Batum will be on Brandon Ingram, who they held the 3 of 11 with just 15 points, and he had six turnovers. He got wrecked in that last uh, matchup between them. Uh, Hayes, yeah, good player, but he's a rim runner. He's dependent on other guys. He's a hustle guy. you got to keep a body on him, obviously. But uh, I want to see – PG, I want to see Norman Powell play heavier minutes, and, and both those guys can guard C.J. McCollum at times. I mean, the Clippers have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to versatile defenders. Yeah, They just have to lock in. They just have to be more focused, and, and I think they will be. Uh, in that environment in Minnesota, speaking of the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic, it felt like that series 
last year in the first round in game three when the Clippers were down 19 early on before they came back in a must-win, basically a must-win situation from tip-off in Minnesota the other night. That crowd was on top of them. I I do feel like they were rattled a little bit. They were still, oh, okay, it's playoff basketball now. Yeah, it's. I think the crowd really will play an important role. We've honestly seen the crowd get better and better um, at crypto the last couple of years. The Clippers crowd has truly become a really good playoff crowd, especially when things are going in their favor. We see the Clippers fans go nuts and get behind this team to the point where Reggie Jackson just becomes the man. And it feels like this very well could be a Reggie Jackson game. I like your point that you brought up with Jackson Hayes and how Hayes could be a guy... Um, that maybe you put Zoo on as perhaps Zoo guards Hayes and then helps out with Brandon Ingram. So there could be some adjustments that the Clippers make with, like you said, Marcus Morris on JV to provide some uh, footwork and speed against JV. That could be a good one as well. Certainly a lot of different things that both coaches can throw at the other, um, especially with the bench too. I mean, you'll see what Alvarado and Nance and Murphy and Graham do for the Pelicans and, of course, for the Clippers, how much man, Powell, um, if Canard's healthy, Hartenstein, how much they all play. It, there's a lot to get figured out in this game. I, I still think the Clippers being at home have the edge. Um, I think the Clippers just are the better coach team, as good of a coach um, that the Pelicans have there in Willie Green. Uh, I think that Ty Lue is the better coach. I mean, you look at the spread for tomorrow, and the Clippers are three-and-a-half-point favorites, so a very small favorite, but a favorite Nonetheless, what are you expecting when it comes to uh, the outcome tomorrow? Well, Brandon, I know where my checks come from. They could be taking on the 92 <laughs> Dream Team, and I'd say Clippers. <laughs> Go with the Clippers. Uh, I do expect their best. I, they have bounced back. They have responded time and time again over going back to last season under Coach Lou. And I know it's a different opponent, and it's not exactly – uh, something where you can adjust now to what Minnesota was doing in game one. You're taking on a different team. But I still think you mentioned that play with Anthony Edwards going right down the middle and right through the teeth of the defense. Uh, well, there was really no teeth. I guess there was nobody there. But I think some of that stuff was just uh, chemistry and guys not being familiar with one another. There was just miscommunication there. And I'm hoping, I think it's going to be cleaned up uh, by tomorrow night. I think. Some of that stuff, they're just going to be more sound out there. They're going to be more locked in from the get-go, and the crowd is definitely going to help. Clipper Nation is going to bring it for sure. Yeah, they'll be loud and proud tomorrow. Quickly, before we sign off, I want to also remind you to all use the coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. Also, check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use the code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign-up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well he's adam oslin you hear him on am 570 pregame halftime postgame at follow adam a on twitter as well adam what else you got to promote well we'll be on the patriot am 1150 tomorrow night because the Those dodgers will be dodgers. on am 570 but i'm at follow adam a on twitter fna podcast as well with kevin figures from 570 adam always great having you on my guy brandon you the man i appreciate it Until next time, enjoy that Friday game. Hopefully the Clippers can pull out a victory. We'll be back after the ball game to either preview that matchup against the Suns or to wrap up the season. Hopefully it's the preview that matchup against the Suns. Until next time, I'm Brandon. Follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus and go Clips.